Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. This is Marty Oakley filling in for the moment for Tanya Hathaway. We're having a little trouble getting people in on the call board, so if you can just bear with us. We're going to be talking again tonight um, about the the corruption in these prisons in Oklahoma, the emotional abuse, the physical abuse, uh, rancid food, unsanitary conditions, and they're getting paid to do this. So we're we're going to be looking at all of this and um, seeing what what is going on. In the meantime, uh, while we wait for Tanya and everyone to get hooked in, uh, the recent election, of course, everybody's up in the air. My opinion is we are sunk either way. We either keep this lunatic in the White House, this bully, this pathological liar, or we put Biden in and we face a whole new set of problems. Um, direct assaults on the Constitution, the Second Amendment, mandatory mask wearing. They don't have the authority to do that, but they're going to try anyway. And a mandatory vaccine. For those of you who said, oh, Trump promised he wouldn't do a mandatory vaccine, he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. If you don't get the vaccine, the digital tattoo and the nanoparticles, um, uh, the nanogel injected into you, you won't be able to work, go to the store, buy groceries, go to school, go to the movies, go shopping. You won't be able to do anything. And so they just have to wait for you to be cut out of everything and left with nothing, and you'll run down and get your vaccine. They claim they have 88 million doses ready. So unless they've been planning this about from about five years ago on, there's no way this could happen. <clears throat> there is just too much here that is going on. Hold on a second here, folks. Let me check this. Well, I don't know what's happening here. Um, Tanya, come on, sweetie. What is going on? Okay, Tanya, we are on. Okay. I'm not getting any response from anyone. We'll wait a minute here and see what happens. Uh, We may have to shut down. That's all I know. Uh, This is... Hang on, let me check on here. Let's see, Bill. 
Yes, we are on air. I don't know what to tell you. We'll give this about another five minutes, but if I don't have anybody up, there isn't much sense in going on. Uh, Things are about to change radically in this country. Wait a minute, who do we have here? Is that her? Tanya. Hello. Yeah. Where's it for 7.30, I thought. 7.30 No, 7. 7. Oh, shit. Oops. Okay. Is I'm Stephen sorry. Burke on? No, that's what scared me. Nobody was on, and I thought, yeah. Oh, goodness gracious. Okay. Yep, we're set for 7.30. Um, Tuesday night. I can't. Yeah, I can't reset the show because um, okay, well, we're on. Uh, I I can go with it, and and um, and uh, when they get on, they get on. How about that? I'm sorry, Tanya. This is my mistake. I'm sorry. No, no worries. I'm sorry. No worries. It could have been mine as much as it could have been anybody's. Um, yeah, well... Just yeah, too much I, going okay. on. I'm, I'm just getting pounded from every angle. Uh, you know, the thing is, Tanya, people so think I have a going on. Yes, it, people it, think it, I have it, a whole crew. Talk. Yeah, just just they think I have a whole crew that does all of this stuff, you know, and there's only me. You know, that's right. the sad part of it. There is only me. And so I try to answer all the phone calls I get, all the emails. It takes me three hours every day just to answer emails. I get so much. I I, I constantly, you know, the times when I try to call you, you know, and you're so good about getting back, but still you're always so busy. You know what I mean? And I thought I was. And then... Well, people. Some people said to me, "How come you're not doing a Saturday show? Saturday is the day I take off. That's that's my day. I don't do anything on Saturday. I don't answer the phone unless it's somebody I know very well. I don't answer email. I don't do anything. And people just, if only you know, we could well, you should everybody all of the time, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But I, I have to have one day a week well, what, where I don't do anything. What's going on with all this stuff that we're being suffocated by, by Facebook? You can only do so many shares and whatnot, and and that's Well, crazy. that's just a thing, too. Well, it, it, they're censoring. And, of course, on the right, they claim, you know, conservatives are being censored, and some of them are. And on the left, they claim oh, yeah. the liberals are being censored, and they are. And then you have things like Facebook and Twitter taking down hundreds of pages overnight. What they are censoring is people doing their own thinking. Now, I've seen, just like you have, some really idiotic stuff on Facebook and Twitter and everything. It's like, you, yeah. some, who lets you run loose? Because people have the right to be as crazy as they want to be. And mm-hmm. all you have to do, it's, it's like TV, turn the station, shut it off, go somewhere else. You don't have to, it's not like you are forced to read or watch or whatever. Um, All of this, but see, we're being conditioned to accept censorship. 
right. we are being conditioned. And there's others to, that are trying, you know, other people too, Marty. They're trying to force yes. that, like individuals. Yes. I, I mean, I've had yes. a pretty high tolerance for things, and the only thing that I have asked for on my personal page, and I don't post much. I used to not post any, but I don't post yes. much on the other pages that's political. But um, yeah. but on my personal page, guess what? I get to do what I want. It's not going to affect my yeah. advocacy, who I advocate right. for or don't. You, you know what I mean? Yep. Because to me, when it comes to public corruption, there's really no party line. You have to name the person. No. You have to name who's doing what. You know? Yep. That's how, well, that's how and I that's feel. Just, that's the but thing. when people are coming every, over and they're just people, just to digitally riot, Marty. People, you, I, you yeah. know, my, my, you know, I knew from the community where I raised my children. Instead of you know, just you know, minding their own business, if they don't see something, if they see something they don't like, they come over just to digitally riot. I mean, I've actually gotten yeah. to the point where I have blocked people that I've known. Yes. And and as picnics with and because. They would be mean. Actually, just yeah. mean. <laughs> just talk civilly. Let's have a debate. John, that's the one thing I have yeah. noticed, and and I know you're going to think this is a anti-Trump thing, but it isn't. But people on the right, these Bible waving, I'm a Christian, are the most heartless, oh. foul-mouthed, vicious, profane people I have encountered in years. Um, yeah. Oh. I just, I can't believe it. I absolutely cannot believe just how profane these people can become. And yet at the same time, you know, God this and God that. Yeah, I have a real problem. Turn around, let me stab you back. Or better yet, you don't even have to turn around anymore. And, you know, I'm seeing that on both sides, actually. You know, I've experienced it from both sides. You know, personally. and, right. You know, and, and and then of course to do with right. you know politics, I see it happening too. And yeah. but all and but, you know, it used to be the day of it used to be the acceptance and the calm ones were the ones who were on the left. Well, <laughs> now come on now. <laughs> but no, what I you know? is I was I was shocked by I did not anticipate this from what is supposed to be the we call them the evangelicals. Um, right. These people, these far oh, yeah. right wing oh, religious fanatics. Honest to God, this is a terrifying bunch of people. Uh, you talk about, you know, brainwashed and conditioned, and but will say the most perverse, terrible things, and then turn right around and quote scripture and everything. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. But I never anticipated yeah. it to this level people on the right i never did but <laughs> i had a conversation and, here the and, other day. and and other people are ashamed of them too for yes. flying what yeah. they hold sacred you, you know what i mean just yes. like you know um corrupt cops abusive cops yes. they're good cops out there you know that are sick and tired of you, you know being bundled into this you, you know uh you know, I support the blue. Nothing for nothing. I support the blue. And guess what? I don't support the corrupt cops. You know, I go after right. them. You know, I, I imagine you feel the same way. You know, I yeah, do I want do. somebody there to help if I need that person. I think the odds are 
if I call, somebody is going to come and, and try to help. Now, I don't think that's just because I'm white, you know, and don't live in a housing project. I don't think it's just because of that. Um, I, I, but I also do understand where there's worse chances of bad things happening. And then sometimes in the least places you would think they, that bad things would happen they do, and that's how they get away with it. I'm, you know what I yeah. mean? I yeah. Mean, well, it happens all over the country. Hmm? <clears throat> I said it happens all over the country, and our police now, and have been since um, the early 2000s under the Bush-Cheney crime administration. Uh, they have that's either pretty much what it was. Uh, I agree. Yes. Yes. But they had that's when they came up with Homeland Security, which is unconstitutional. And but they also came out with TSA. But the other thing they did, too, was they started the militarization of the police. And they gave them all this military equipment at cheap prices, if not an outright gift. But it had a caveat. You had that like those Mm -hmm. tanks they give them. Um, why would local police need a tank? Please tell me. And I said, they said, well, to fight terrorism. Well, apparently you're a terrorist. Who is it you think they're going to use that on? You seen any terrorists flying by recently? No, you haven't. Who is that for? It's for you. And so, but we saw this escalation in aggressiveness, and they went from being peace officers to law enforcement, two entirely different things. But TSA, just like Homeland Security, is actually a foreign corporation, and it's owned by the Mossad out of Israel. They are also training uh, police trainers. Oh, yeah. Michael Chertoff's mother was um, the first head of Homeland Security, was one of the founders of the Mossad. Anyway, they're knee-deep in Homeland Security, yes. And so, in fact, at the D.C. airport, when that one agent actually physically assaulted me in a terrible way right out in front of everybody. She said, I work for TSA. You have to do what I tell you. I said, you work for a foreign-owned corporation. I'm not compelled to comply with anything you say. Well, no, I'm employed by the federal government. I said, no, you're not. I said, TSA is contracted to Homeland Security. Homeland Security is unconstitutional. It should not exist. And Mm -hmm. I said, but you're owned by a foreign corporation. And I said, uh, I'm not not part of the contract. Is there some kind of a conflict there? Yes. But they're the ones, (laughs) the Mossad are the ones that have have trained police. But they're the ones that have trained police in basically how to execute people in the street. They're the ones that have taught them the choke holds and the knee press on the neck and all of this stuff, the shooting in the back. They're the ones that have pushed all of this along. And they use as an example what they've done to the Palestinians. And, but they, they train them in this aggressive, deadly behavior. The other thing that happened, they used to psychologically test for certain indicators in a person's personality that they might tend to be a little sadistic or aggressive too much, and they would weed those people out. Now, if you don't show those characteristics, you don't get hired. And mm-hmm. we do have some some good police. Yes, we do. But they are terrified of the police, the other police they work with, and most of them won't speak out. Um, now, yeah, the lose ones that are promoted are the ones that yeah. are willing to, you yeah. know, 
<laughs> it just, it just seems that way. You know, we had a we yeah. had a chief in a beautiful little town in in New Hampshire, fairly wealthy town actually in New Hampshire that was in the school district where my my kids grew up, and you know, he it, it turned out that this guy. You know, when he stopped young young girls from Colby Sawyer College, or you know, or older high schoolers for, for speeding or something like that, um, mm-hmm. uh, he would say, "I won't, uh, I won't give you a ticket if you let me take some pictures," because he loved to do photography on the side, right? Well, it wasn't uh-huh. just photography. You know what I mean? Right. There was all kinds of you know nutcases, yep. you know, out there that just ruined it for. They just yeah. ruin it, but the the swift yes. action against them is what we need to have happen. You yes. know, obviously everybody's innocent until they're proven guilty, but we mm-hmm. can't just turn the other way on that stuff. I don't care how no. long somebody. Well, you know, Tanya, it's like they keep talking about just like with judges and stuff, qualified immunity. There is no such thing. It says the laws will be applied ever. Yeah, yes, because there what is, is their job? no such thing. They're, yes, if they're and, doing exactly what's their job, yes. they have a job that is yes. outlined in their canons and their contract, right? And their oath. Yep. And if they're working beyond that, if they're doing things beyond that, they're not. They they don't have immunity anymore. Then they're not doing no. their job. They're just doing something but, illegal while they're getting paid for yeah. it. Yes, and the thing is, I, I've been this and told the qualified immunity doctrine is a doctrine they and the judiciary made up themselves and said this is our new doctrine. And it's unconstitutional. Yeah, it's unconstitutional, and they don't have any immunity. And uh, this is now becoming a real issue of contention. And but I submit that people who take jobs as in the judiciary or with law enforcement have a higher level of responsibility to set the example of how to do things right and legally. I think they have a higher responsibility. You took that job and you're supposed to set the example. The example they're setting now is corruption, racketeering, street executions. You know, this started down in Ferguson, Missouri. And uh, when they shot that kid at, at I watched the grand jury testimony on that, and according to them, to try and cover up what this cop had done, they claimed that the, uh, what was his last name, Brown, I think, uh, that he was like 6'4". The cop was like 5'8". And he claimed, the way they explained away this young man being shot dead in the middle of his head at close range in the top of his head, down through his left shoulder and his body, and through the palm of his left hand was that he was lunged and running. He was squatted down and running. Now imagine this. At the officer who then fired, the man from witnesses, they said he had his hands up. He told him to get down. He went to his knees with his hands up, and he shot that man point blank in the top of his head. And... But I watched that. They, of course, acquitted the cop, and they had video of him, showed him walking out of the grand jury, and he's laughing. Oh, he's laughing. Because he knew. He, was, he knew. And, it, this was yes. already decided before he it even went in front. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And the man was laughing. I That, that sickened me so bad. Uh, Ferguson, of course, 
the people bust in by the FBI to cause all the rioting and looting and everything like they did up in the Twin Cities and they did here in Atlanta. Um, they went to rent a crowd out of Denver, and they brought in three busloads to Ferguson of rent a crowd. And they were supposed to get $5,000 each for three days' work, and they were supposed to start the looting and the burning and the everything. And the people from Ferguson, mm-hmm. it was a small community. They knew each other pretty much, who was who. And they're going, who are these people? And it was when that whole battalion of police came down through there with their shields, beating on their shields with their batons. They're in riot gear. And, I mean, it was a whole battalion. And they came to that intersection. The people from Ferguson locked arms with their arms, with their backs to the police Mm -hmm. across that intersection. And they're talking to each other, don't look back, don't look back. They'll say we acted aggressively. They'll say you had a gun. Don't look back, don't look back. And you can see these people are shaking and scared to death. Don't look back, they'll open fire. They're, they're looking for the opportunity to open fire. And I think it was at that point that um, the people who had been hired to come in figured out they were about to get massacred too. The only thing that stopped that from being a massacre was the people from the community standing with their backs to all those policemen who were ready to mow them all down. And the way they found out about this being a setup was these people were supposed to be given transportation back to Denver area, and they had to find their own way home, and then they went for their money, and they couldn't get it. So three of them came out squealed and said we were paid to go in there and do that or we were supposed to be paid and now they've reneged all three of them were dead within a week everybody else shut oh up my. And, yeah and that was but they've tried this over and over yep that that is crazy that's absolutely crazy yeah wh- what's happening in this world today um the, uh, unfortunately there we just don't have people that can be trusted just to because of the positions that they're in, because of the roles that they play um, in society anymore. Um, right. It's more or less, and I'm not saying everyone, but let me get to that role so I can get away with something. Yes. Well, Tanya, do you remember like. when 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 my boys were little, uh, you know, and even when I was, you know, a kid, everybody wanted to be a cop. And um, oh yeah, I, I can remember I was in like second or third grade. We had something called the Weekly Reader came out, and I can remember on the front page of that was a policeman in the double-breasted blue jacket with the brass buttons and the cap, you know, on with his hand, arm around a child. And the police mm-hmm. were everything. They were heroes. Everybody wanted mm-hmm. to be a policeman or a fireman, you know. And now, yeah. now. Everybody wants to be a robber because they can get away yeah. with it. <laughs> yeah, well, now these kids, you say, you know, would you want to be a policeman? No, no. If something happens, would you call the police? No, they'll hurt you. Yeah, what have you done? Right. What have you done? These were our local heroes. Yeah, you know exactly. these were these were the good guys, and right. these were the, the painter that, where they're at an ice cream parlor, uh, the yeah. uh, the police officer and the child, 
the Norman Rockwell yep. thing? Yeah. Yep. And uh, exactly, it, it, but we have we have terrorized these kids. They don't see these guys as heroes and something to aspire yeah. to. It's I don't want to be yeah. that. Yeah. I yeah. don't want to be that. Yeah. And one kid said, um, I was talking to a bunch of kids here, and this has been a couple months back, and they were like in the seven to ten year range. And I said, wouldn't you like to grow up and be a policeman? And only one kid jumped up and goes, yeah, he said, because then you can shoot and kill people and get away with it. I thought, oh, my God. And I said, I really don't think that's something I would want to do. But And then that child's mind, see, the concept of actually taking someone else's life, it isn't secured. You know what I'm saying? They, They don't realize that when you shoot that gun and you kill someone, it's all over for that someone. They don't get back up. Mm-hmm. They don't make mm-hmm. that connection, not like you and I make it. And he just mm-hmm. thought it was a big deal. You got to shoot people, and apparently then everybody went home and had ice cream. Um, but it, I think that's a terrifying thought that our kids, you know, these young kids, instead of looking up and wanting to emulate and growing up with respect and care for these people, now view them as the enemy. Someone to be well, I, I blame a lot of parents, too. Yes. I blame a lot of parents. You know, some have just been very busy having to work and keep things going and have had too much trust, have been, have been naive. And then, um, and then as well, we've got um, those that are um, expecting, you know, the schools to raise the children. And then we've got those that are just anti everything and mm-hmm. um you know it's kind of like if you got a kid that's being coached okay so the coach might not be perfect but unless the coach is abusive what you do is you want to instill trust in in that coach if you like put if you if you say ah your coach nah, i could do so much better well then why aren't you doing it then buddy you know what i mean right and yeah. and, and and then suddenly if the kid doesn't trust the coach then right. that shows up in, in their performance. And then the coach isn't going to trust the kid. And so, it's, I mean, this is just one example, but it's just you set the stage for for failure by uh-huh. being negative. I mean, you've got to be cautious with what you teach your kids. You know, I, I told my kids from as long as they could understand me, you know, or just like, you don't right. you don't always do everything an adult tells you to do. You don't go help somebody look for their puppy, okay? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, there you go. You, you don't you can't trust that. You know, you can debate me even. But but I'm just yes. saying that you know, if uh, there is a level of reason and of inquiry and things like that that need to take place. You just don't want to set the stage for everything bad. So it's like Right. Proceed with caution positively? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Proceed with caution, period. We've got a caller on here, and I think it's somebody you want. It's area code 918. Hello. Hello, hello. Hello. Is that Tina? It's Tina. It's Tina. Tina. Okay, I will leave you now. And I apologize to everybody. I made a mistake on the time tonight. This is my fault. It won't happen no, again. No, we've done great. I, I, 
gee, I can't believe it's already been almost a half an hour. We just yeah. This is what I love about getting on, on on air with you, Marty. I mean, it's just like when we're on the phone. Anyways, thank you for listening so far. <laughs> yeah. All right. I will. I will leave you to your your job there. Oh, feel free to stick around. We know. You know. We love you. <laughs> all right. Love y'all too. <laughs> All right. Hi, Tina. Thanks for tuning in. We're we're now moving in from the 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 Marty and Tanya half hour to Tanya talk to your voices heard and your story is told on Marty Oakley's TS Radio Network and Stephen Burke, eighty nine point nine KLRB, who will be uh broadcasting live in just about five more minutes, he said. Um we've got Tina Gertz. Tina Tina, we are just, we're in it to win it, right? We're in it to yes, get it done. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> how, how are you? I'm doing well. Ready for another vacation, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, get that one-way ticket going, girl. <laughs> oh, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I tell you what, it's, it's really beautiful out now. My son and I went out to lunch today, and it was out there, it's like, oh my gosh, why haven't I been outside more? It's been like, it was like high 60s up here, so it was a beautiful sunny day. Sunny, nice. sunny day. So Warmer yeah. than here. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, really? Yes, unfortunately. I've got my, I've okay. got my thumb on my nose right now, and my fingers are kind of doing that little thingy back and forth. Yeah, yeah, I, I got it. I got it. Thanks. So, <laughs> so we got it. So, so listen to this. Thank you for tuning in, listeners. Listen to this. So um, Tina and I do uh, in, a show on Thursday night on Stephen Burke's radio station, 89.9 KLRB FM. And, you know, Marty has another show on, on uh, Thursday night. So unfortunately, she's not able to be ten places at once with, you know, with her broadcast. Um, but uh, so Tina and I do a, a show every other Thursday for, for now. That's what it is, and and Tina's um, usually putting the shows together for uh, Oklahomans incarcerated, true stories and how they got there. And um, and it's funny because I had actually connected with this one woman a while ago, and we talked, a young lady actually, and talked and texted and back and forth. She's kind of been like on my list, you know, uh, someone to have on because her story is absolutely fascinating. And then Tina's been telling mm-hmm. me, about, oh, Tanya, you've got to learn about this woman, and she's just, her story, you're just not going to believe it. And then she, and then she, you know, she's been saying it for like about a week now. And, you know, we're going to talk tomorrow night and prepare for the show, of course. And, but Tina, in the meantime, she's gotten all caught up with the, with the story and, and, and everything. And, and, I'm, and I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is this so-and-so? And it's like, oh, my gosh. So <laughs> it's, it's very cool how, you know, we determine what is something that, you know, belongs on the air. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it might take our, our topic away from something else in particular that we're working on, but yet there's so much to bring to the to the table. Do you want to give a little intro on what our show is going to be um, this Thursday evening at uh, 7 o'clock uh, uh, Central Time on 89.9? We will have on Jamie, who 
uh, her childhood was horrible. Um, she, her mother, it was a really rough upbringing, and um, there was a murder, and the mother, Jamie, and Jamie's boyfriend at the time were all three convicted of this murder, but the evidence to me seems to point to the mother only, and um, the boyfriend took a plea deal, and it's 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 unbelievable. Like, please tune but she's in. And out. Jamie's out. She was yeah. juvenile at the time. She Don't was seems her out. Ju- yeah. Mhm. Otherwise, she'd probably still be into. Unfortunately. But yeah, it's, and she's it's, working hard to get out this other man, right? Because she she knows he didn't do it. He was with her at the time. So we've got another wrongful conviction story, actually, that we're going to uh, be bringing to the listeners. Uh, another Oklahoma wrongful conviction, and but it, it, but you've got to tune in because there's so many twists and turns. In, right. in this story, um, and it's very sad, but she's a very strong woman, isn't she, young lady? She is. She's amazing. Yeah. And that's yeah. That's something I see a lot of, uh, how, how strong everybody is. You know, it's, they're inspiring. Well, either you make it or you don't. It, it, it kills you, you crumble, you wind up in a nut house, or you mm-hmm. just... Or you just crawl up from, you know, from the quicksand, and and that in itself is empowering enough to, right. uh, yeah, yeah. But it's tough. It's it's tough, and um, I, I don't know what it's like to be in her shoes, but we can only imagine. So when you hear us, uh, hopefully this means you'll be tuning in on uh, this Thursday. Uh, to Oklahoma's incarcerated true stories and how they got there with Tina Gertz and myself uh, hosting that show together um, uh, and uh, with with Jamie. I'm not sure if uh, she wants us to use her last name or not. I think she's okay with it, but we will hold off on that for right. now. Yeah. So uh, neither myself, Marty Oakley, or Stephen Burke can personally or professionally, and Tina Gertz as well, and personally or professionally be held liable for any error of content that is brought to you tonight. We uh, do our vetting the best we can and uh, haven't had too many complaints so far. But that being said, if you feel that something is inaccurate or you would like to contest it, pardon me, contest it, please feel free to email injusticeinoklahoma at gmail.com. And the first one to correct an error, to clarify or to say, no, it was actually right, <laughs> accept it, or, or, you know, we can just agree to disagree. Uh, so uh, that being said, tonight what we would like to speak about is, I, I don't know, I am con- I'm still getting just so much information from loved ones and from inmates about the COVID crisis that's going on right now in Oklahoma and these prisons and, um, and as well, just the crowding absolutely uh, out of control because they're not able to, uh, 
to do a good job with quarantining. And then, you know, they've already, even prior to the crisis, the inmates have already been living in filthy, inhumane conditions that are actually against the law, that they're unconstitutional. So uh, we know, as we've talked about before, but if you're hearing this for the very first time, offenders actually still do have constitutional rights. They're not the same as you and I as we sit outside on the phone and we tell their stories and and we discuss uh, how we need to be making what is wrong right and how we are making what's wrong right. But uh, there's a long way to go. But uh, the inmates, the offenders do have uh, certain rights to the uh, level of cleanliness, sanitariness, and, and this is not happening. This wasn't happening even prior to this COVID outbreak. And it appears that it only actually got worse, given that there happened to be a loss of manpower employees um, in the kitchen and cleaning things up because others got sick as well. Uh, and um, and and so here you have it's kind of like adding fuel to the fire. Um, we have. <laughs> The same old conditions when it comes to the food, if you want to call it food that is being served. I don't know if you saw uh, the promo that was sent out, but, you know, I got one picture last week, one picture this week. So last week we had a tray that was um, you know, loaded with grime, not being cleaned in between uh, meals. And you could see that by the look of, of the tray, just like what we had heard, but somebody actually had provided some photos for that. Then I got another picture this morning that shows, okay, so now there's breakfast on it and there's a bunch of water on the tray, right? If you can actually look beyond the, what you call food. Um, So in this particular facility where these pictures came from, they said they haven't been able to go to the canteen for two weeks. Now, Tina, why don't you explain to those that don't know what that means? Canteen is if you have, if you're lucky enough to have somebody that sends you money, you can buy food off of the canteen. You can get like canned tuna. Um, it depends on where you're at, too. <laughs> what you can get, but you can get something to eat so you don't have to eat prison food. Right. So something that's already wrapped up, something that has not been prepared by the prison and isn't loaded with fillers, in other words. Right. So can they get something like a candy bar if they wanted to, though? I don't think. They can get can't. Well, yeah, I no guess chocolate they can. or anything. I I I believe they have had chocolate at certain places. Each yeah, oh, place. Because, please remind me to never find myself in prison because what would I do without my chocolate? And you know that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you might be a vegetarian, uh, but that does not keep me from eating chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they they can get cereal and milk and um, I've heard that there's cookies on there, but right. there's also like peanut butter. Of course, some places don't have jelly anymore. 
But, um, but at least the peanut butter is good because that's good for the sustained energy right. and protein to be, yeah. Right. So, yeah, it's just so that they don't have to eat the prison food. Right. So that they have more options. Well, they, I mean, they get pretty creative with what they get on canteen. Like ramen noodles, um, I guess they can make them many different ways. <laughs> um, okay. And I, I've heard of them making burritos out of, you know, whatever meat and cheese and things like that. Right. Burritos, right. They just find a way. Yeah, you can get really right. creative. But if they but if they don't have a commissary, then it's whatever comes on the dirty tray or the watery tray or if something even comes at all because there are times when they don't get fed until midnight even, I'm I'm told. Right. You know, there's no set set times. And in all fairness, there is some flexibility on that according to offenders' constitutional rights. You, you, you know, that it doesn't necessarily have to be set times. It's more or less the set amount of food and, uh, and you know, that it's edible. But then again, you have all this food that is uh, being uh, served, you know, brought to these facilities in boxes where it says right on the boxes, not for human consumption. Right. But yet it goes to the kitchen. And, and so we should really get some answers about that, shouldn't we? Well, they deny it. DOC denies it, even though I don't know how many people you've had on the show that has said, even the people that have been there have I think said we've seen not. A picture of it, too. I think I think I, mean, I think we've got a picture of that somewhere. Hmm. So uh feel free to call us if you would like to or message either Tina Gert uh or myself. You can message Tina at okay uh, on on the uh Facebook page Oklahomans Incarcerated True Stories and how they got there. Do we have somebody on the phone right now? I think I heard a bell. Yes. Yes you do. You have Kay on. Kay. Hello. How are you? Hi, Kay. Thank you for calling. I, do I do I know you, Kay? I think I know you. Yes, you know me. Okay, <laughs> and I won't say your last name, but yeah, I know you. It's great to hear your voice. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you doing? We're well. You know something? It's everything's so bittersweet, isn't it? You know, we try to get on here and and. Yeah, share these horrible stories, but also, you know, it's it's a great day when we can share progress uh, being made. Um, right. But uh, now that we don't have the 805 that's gone through, we understand that the legislatures are going to um, spend uh, a certain amount of time supposedly working on reform. So we want to give them something really to talk about. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. We just had that conversation with his um, case manager today about actually not even just his case manager. Um, I talked to DOC about it because it will give him another 300 days, and I'm not 
I'm just real happy with that. So, um, uh, is this in regard to the days, the good good credit days, been taken did. away? Right, and we talked about some things that uh, they said 805 would have fixed that, this and that. I, I told them, I was like, well, it obviously didn't go through, so now we got to figure something out. I said, we're already um, losing like six and a half years for, for a crime that he didn't commit, so we're, what are we going to do now? Because this is my, my kids' life on the line, too, of losing time with him. Oh, they didn't goodness. have much to say, though. Didn't she just told me say. that there was no, her name, she's like, I can't do anything about it. Um, our best suggestion to you is, is to go back to our, um, your original court and file a petition to get his sentence modified. That's so, hard to do, isn't it? Yes. I've already talked to a couple lawyers. Um, every one of them's okay with it, except when you get down to the point of how it became and how the everything ended up, and you know, from my ex being an informant, that kind of stuff. They said that there probably isn't much hope. Try, I guess. I mean, it's a whole whole other money money pit that we fall into, but. You know, whatever it takes. Yeah, of course. And and you know what it makes you wonder is like, do you dare bring into the equation that he's innocent? You know that he's claiming his innocence, and you know he's innocent. He knows he's innocent. Right. But yet, are you better off? Just look. I mean, isn't that? You, you know where I'm going, right? Because I right. know when That's you're up in the part parole board, you get punished unless you admit guilt, even if you're innocent. Right, because when I stood, when I went myself, and they were saying, oh, you're looking at time, 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 I was like, how am I looking at time? I've never done a drug in my life, never sold it, never nothing, but yet you're trying to pin it on me, and then you're telling me be woman enough to sit there and say I'm guilty for it so I'll get a deferred sentence because if you don't you're going to go down okay so you're forcing me to lie so that's what they do right Mm -hmm. they don't care not them and so hopefully now that um, the one judge that sentenced him he is no longer, like, he's retired or sentenced us both. But, um, he's retired, so I'm hoping that it will go differently because he was hard on anybody that, whether he was guilty, not guilty, um, because his son had a methamphetamine problem. And he sat there and said each and every time, you know, everybody that has this problem, you probably contributed to my son's problem. So you're paying for his son's sins. That's what it amounted to. Oh, my goodness. Can you share with Ned, do you want to say what Go ahead. I was just going to ask if she can share the county it was in. Roger. Right in my mind. 
Rogers County. Rogers County. Yes, I don't mind. Like, it's just been a fight you, from the get-go. Have you found out since this happened, and when did it happen? Happened in the first time. Um, didn't find anything. Was August of 2015. Turned right around and done it February. Um, February of 2016, and that's when they come to my work, picked me up. And raided my um, disabled client's home, their house, without a warrant. Oh my gosh! Which, to to my knowledge, the um, client have had both had to still go into um, counseling and that kind of stuff because of it. Of what happened? Because they've seen uh, the officer come in and arrest me. And and I had to leave them there alone when one of them had a problem with running away. Like, if he were, that's why they had to be watched 24-7. Wow. Yep, and I wow. begged them. I was like, can I please let my case manager get here? Can I please wait until our relief gets here, like I won't go anywhere, I won't do anything, just please don't handcuff me in front of them because it will, it will hurt them. And it'll hurt, and you know, it'll it mess anyway. with their head, and they did it anyway. And I left there. So right now you're okay. You haven't been found guilty of anything, right? Yes, I'm on a deferred sentence. You're on the deferred sentence. Okay. Okay, got you. Yes, All right. I want to defer wow. for five. They gave him a hundred and like over a hundred and something years. His longest bid is uh, was seventeen. So since they done it um, stacked, he'll do seventeen. And I was told from the get go it was a third of seventeen. Well, now she's saying. As of today, that lady, Marianne, at DOC, said she has no idea where I ever got one-third from. And I said, that's what he signed for. And she's like, we've never signed for. We've only known of 50% crimes and 85% crimes. Okay, so is this also the one where the packet was lost going from one uh, facility to another? Okay. Yes. I'm looking through some things yes. that we talked about. Yeah, this yep. is a really And I mentioned that case. today. I even mentioned that to her today. I was like, you know, it's been a real mess. And I said, um, supposedly they can't find his packet. And she's like, what's here? I said, well, the head of DOC says that there is no... Um, no record of it or anything. I said, I have all my texts from my lawyer. I said, um, that was another water hall I paid for. And she's like, oh, well, they really have to be into it to uh, be willing to look for it and do this and do that. I said, well, his his life is at stake at this time. I said, and they wanted to sit there and tell me that their excuse was said, this was the head, and I would have to look at his name. I'm trying to think of it right off the top. 
He said that he didn't have the right. He was the head of the medical director at DOC. Said Lindsay Hospital, nor the administration, had the right to come and tell us that he had a packet um, didn't have a right to have a tell us that he had a packet in the making. Like they said that he says that all of it was spoken out of term and that he didn't have a right to say anything about it. And neither did the nurse from um, DOC, Lindsay Hospital, any of the case managers. They said he tries to say the head of uh, medical at DOC says it never happened. I said, I have recorded conversations. How are you going to tell me it never happened? I sent them to the lawyer. He let him hear them. He's like, well, they had no right to tell him this. I said, they came to my parents' house and they done a a check on their house to see if he would be approved by parole. He was approved for the location. He was told he'd have to stay in Rogers County. I moved out of Rogers County to get away from the mess. They said when he first mm-hmm. start, comes out, he has to be in Rogers County. So my parents live in Rogers County. They came to my parents' house, and they said that no, he did that. They didn't have a right to tell him. Okay, so so here we are. So she, I mean, I'm not sure how much that you want to share, how much you want to say here. You know, like what you want to say, knowing that your first name has been has been um, given. But I'm just, but right. um, and I and I'm reading through um, all these things that we, you know, you shared with me back and forth. And right. So I don't know uh, I, if you want to say like. Uh, My biggest <laughs> thing is. He is so, like, his health is so bad. You don't give somebody um, 16 different medications, and it's still not working. So they made it up to 21 now. They make him sick. 21 different medications. Now he's on 21 pills that he takes. And this came from the nurse herself there at at, um, Crabtree. He takes, I think it's 8 in the morning, Eight at night, and then the others are midday that they upped it to. And the thing about it, the midday pills are the same thing, though, that he's getting at night. So, obviously, it's not working. So, I don't know why they gave him another one. So, his state of mind right now, like, is he mixed in with the general population, or is he, he is? And yeah, is this causing tension or an issue with others that you're aware yes. of? Like several several things that had started out, lots of people had said, you're not sick enough to go home. That started out, I don't even know how, it, before he even hit the ground running at Crabtree, everybody there knew that he had a potential um, medical parole. So I don't know how they didn't know. Or how right. the staff can, you know, say they don't. Right. You know, and is it okay so for it me to, sound there. to say that it sounds, is it an, um, is th- there's some kind of emotional instability or physical or both? 
Yes, both. At this point, there's both. Um, okay. I just talked to them today about that. While he was in um, Stringtown, he was supposed to only he was only supposed to be in a cell. And as far as we knew, that was in his jacket because he's absolutely a nervous wreck all the time in Gen Pop. Because, and, so, and as a result, he's in his jacket, in other words, to keep right. him contained. Right. No. Well, not he like in a, the, just in a cell itself, just like okay. not, um, not in in like the hole or anything but like he's always had a cell just him and another celly not dormitory style which is what right. he's in okay. now okay so okay. then they had him um, they had him on the top bunk which he's got major heart problems and for the longest time they couldn't even get he couldn't get up on the bed by himself because he was too weak they had three to four men helping him up every day Oh, my goodness. And then at one point, they thought he broke his ankle because he come down off the bed to go to the bathroom. And this guy said his feet just went out from under him. He's like, I could have swore he broke his ankle. He said, but they wouldn't take him. And they never have taken him. Right it, To this day, his feet look like they're turning black and they're not doing anything. Um, talking about the food earlier, the lack of nutrition, his Teeth are falling out. He never had bad teeth before he went. He don't have. He probably don't have. And how how old is he? Did you say? Forty-seven. Okay. He don't have ten ten teeth in his head now. And they come out by the roots. Like the whole root is there. Everything. Um, Oh boy. Now, do you want to say what facility he's in? He's in Crabtree. He is in Crabtree still. Okay. Okay. Yes. And he was supposedly now, I have not talked to him since like 2.30 or 3. But when I talked to the case manager, November the 4th, they were supposed to put him down to lower security because when they moved him from Stringtown to Crabtree, um, they overrode security. And they put him in a a minimum, and he's never been in a minimum. And so when I spoke to them today, he said that they was, um, the case manager said that they're supposed to move him to to start on his packet come Thursday. When Patrick called me a little bit ago, he said that they was going to move him to um, start in on it today. To get on his lower security, so I don't know. Wow. I haven't heard from him again since then. Okay, so what's your so your plan of action is to try to get his sentence reduced. Right, I plan on trying to do that. My biggest concern right now um, with him being there is there's absolutely no cleaning. They are not fogging. Um, there is multiple, multiple cases of COVID in Crabtree right now. Um, several of the okay. units and, are locked and, and down. Where are you, so just so that, you know, because we, as you know, you're on air, so we're documenting this information. And so, right. so yeah, I just, 
tell us what you want those that are, are um, you know, uh, in charge of, you know, reform, okay, what, what they want to know. And also, and how do you know these things? Um, I've talked to several of the people because at first they tried to deny that there was, you know, on Facebook and different forums that there was any um, COVID there. And so he, my husband put me on the phone with different people. Um, I know I've talked to three or four others that have said um, several of their family members, you know, was across the way. And they had them in different units. I know that um, I talked to his case manager today. He did tell me that they are in different units. He did say, because my husband said that we're, you know, they all walk through unit two, which is where he's at, to go get dinner, breakfast, or lunch. All these sick people had. They're not bringing them their tray like they're supposed to be. Technically, they're supposed to be at level one. Somebody's bringing them their tray, and it's not what's happening. He is the people go through their units, go level to the chow hall, the get the food. Restricted level level for listeners that don't know. Right. Correct. And okay. they are supposed to. Yes, they're supposed to bring their food to the inmates. They are not doing that. All of them are coming through unit two and going to the chow hall. So all of these people that's been sick are just walking through there, and you got sick people, like sick people. When the administration, why I'm so mad, is when the administration, the head of administration, calls me and says, your husband's immune system is compromised, and if he gets COVID, we're not going to fight for him. Okay, then what are you going to do? Because now you're... Now you're sitting there letting this happen. Like, I don't get Oh, it. I'm so sorry. So, oh, I mean, so if sorry. he doesn't call, I get nervous. I'm like, what is that going to be my call that he's gotten sick? You know? Right. Um, right. And this isn't the first time that we have we've heard these kinds of situations. Um, it's just we haven't heard a lot about Crabtree. And so, yeah, I'm also going to encourage you to, to, you know, if you know others, because usually, you know, you tend to get to know others, uh, other loved ones. You know, if, if they've got, if they're being told, if they're learning the same things, we want to hear from them, whether it's behind the scenes or on I air will. as well, you know, to, to, to okay. make this as impactful as, as possible. So, uh, right, because they're not fogging the chow hall. They're not fogging anything. The last I knew which was earlier today, and I even talked to the case manager. I said, why are we not, you know, I work in medical. I'm not, I'm not naive right. to this stuff. You're a smart woman. And I was like, right. I said, why am I, why are y'all not doing something? And he's like, oh, well, we're doing the chow hall, or we're doing our four tables. I said, yeah, but 120-something men sat at those four tables? Like, No. You know, but you're still not doing the kitchen where they walk through. Nothing. And those yeah. tables only get fogged once a day. Oh, my gosh. And you can't even go to a restaurant around here, and I'm sure around there, too, without 
even mm-hmm. if there's any seeding. I don't know how hot it is there right now, too. <clears throat> I know in the prisons it is, but I think Oklahoma is pretty much a hot spot right now. And, you know, our country is. is, you know, it's 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 amping up a bit again and, and whatever it is. And, and you know, I, I mean, they have to, it's required to sanitize, you know, just anything that anybody touches in between people. Like I said, right. my son and I, I went mean, out to lunch earlier today and, and, you know, they have that sanitizer and the paper towels right there. So as soon as we get right. out before anybody else comes in places and here you are, you know, how many men and how many, oh my goodness gracious. They're and, not uh, even, and the abuse system is lowered. Right. 90% of the restaurants here, if you go through a drive through still yet, um, and most of them, you can't even hand them your card. They put the machine out the window to you yeah. and let you slide it. And then they'll hand you your stuff in a box and this and that. I'm like, okay, so if it's this bad for them, then what is it? You know, I know that they don't care about the inmates. They've done showed that. That's fine, and that's Mm -hmm. what I told them today. But so happened, that happens to be my husband, my loved one, my kids' dad, everything. He matters to us. He might not to you, but I'm sorry, God forbid, but. Uh, every one of them that want to sit there and do that needs to have to go stay there and see how they like it to be treated that way. Right. right. Because guess I what? Mean, they belong there as much as your husband does if your husband's guilty, right? Right. Hey, there's some of those I sat through. The one at Stringtown, I sat and listened to an officer or a CO on a visit. And Patrick, my husband's like, yeah, I've got a few things. You know, I had uh, substance abuse when I was younger. And he sat there in front of me and my kids, the CO did, and he said, I'm going to tell you something. I am you just in blue. Wow. He said, I have, the, I have to this day the same problems, the same battles that you've overcame. I still have them. Wow. And he said, that's my biggest thing. He's like, I have uh, like three three or four generations of that family had worked there. So there's not one of them. That's, that's the biggest thing that gets me is how are they going to sit there and judge these inmates, treat them like they do when they are, they're the ones bringing in the drugs. They're the ones that brings in the contraband, I can promise you. They're the ones that oh, uh, yeah. do it. You've tuned into some of our shows before, haven't you? Well, this is a huge yes. issue. Oh, oh, this is absolutely a huge issue. Oh, string count. That's a dime a dozen. I'll tell you that right now. That is a dime a dozen about doing that. Let it mind count? telling you to your face that they've done it. Yes. That place had more drugs. I'm telling you that place has, has more drugs than the streets have. Mark my words. That's where you go to get drugs. Yep. And you can't even, when he was struggling and said, hey, I had this in the past and was like, can I please get help? Like a coworker that I worked for, she worked with, she sat in my car and she's like, I'm going to tell him he needs help. Like this man is crying, begging for help. So we call him and talk to him. His case manager there and at Stringtown, no, can't do anything. It's what, um, what his obviously the judge that done it didn't really care. He was just giving him time. 
Um, he didn't even request that he done any kind of uh, drug classes or anything. So my husband says, well, I want to do that. And so just to help build myself, you know, get stronger. And so um, he asked to do that. And then they ended up being like, uh, well, you're going to have to write the judge. So the judge, re, uh, he modified his sentence, said that he could take any and all drug classes. They said that that wasn't worded right, so they wouldn't give them to him. So make a long story short, we called, was like, can you do anything to help? We called DOC. We're like, he's wanting some kind of program, like they're dangling it like a mouse with cheese in space. And he goes, I would love to be able to do it. He says that there is nothing I can do. He was the guy that was over their their uh, facilities in that area, their district person. He's like, there is nothing DOC can do to help with, with drug problems. He's just going to have to get stronger on his own. See, this that is was the it. problem. Like, Tina, you have something to say about this, don't you? Well, that's a huge problem. Anybody who is begging for help to quit doing drugs should not be denied. That's <laughs> like, and because the judge didn't word it right, I don't know why DOC leaves it up to a judge to know if an inmate needs help with drugs or not. Why is that even an issue? Why does the judge have to order it? Landish. DOC needs to to provide. Right. They should have to provide. If you look on their site, they say they do. Right. That's only for a select few. Right, and and you have to be within a year of leaving there before you can do it. On top of that, it's you can't get there in a year of leaving to take that course. Even if the judge would have wrote and said, "I, you know, basically demand that he do this before coming home," then a year of leaving there. Within so many days before, before they actually it. let him take the course. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, they're not in there to help. And it's just like you said, we're not here to reform you. We're not here to hold your hand and walk you through it. You're here for punishment. And that's exactly what that the district guy said. They're not there to help anything. And the thing of it is, if he's never had any kind of charges like this in Oklahoma, anything he had was back east, and it was when he was 18. He'd never had any kind of drug charges, nothing. Not one time was he offered drug court here, not any kind of drug help before they sentenced him to 150-something years to prison for drugs they can't prove he had, for a police 17 years for a police radio that I still have in my possession that was never hooked up in the truck to begin with. Wow. For cameras on the house, cameras on the house that my domestic violence court told me to get that it's in my papers. I mean, the list can go on and on. I mean, from the get-go, you honestly know what I feel like. And I know I've voiced it to Tina, and I'm not sure maybe even you but I feel like it was a setup from the get-go of them saying, get cameras. We have to know what's going on with them. 
Mm-hmm. We have to know what your ex is doing. Get cameras, get cameras. And then they wanted to play this game. And then they sentenced him 17 years for cameras. Yeah, and it really does matter um, what state you're in um, when these things happen, doesn't it? Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it 100%. sure does. Uh, because yep. I, I mean, he I is know... so, so ready to leave this state. He is, like, when he gets out. Yeah, but they're not ready <laughs> to let him out. Right. That's, he's like, boy, they want to keep their hold on me. I mean, like, how do you go from, I I have the call. Tina has the call that says, I ha- I plan on him being gone, being away from here in two weeks. That was his case manager at Stringtown. Mhm. I do have and, that call. Huh? I had that call, and that's the one that I sent you. Yeah, she shared it with me. Yep. Okay. And then it goes from, I plan on him being gone, you know, in two weeks, to, oh, well, we can't find any of that. Oh, boy. Like, and yet you recorded it. Yes. Yes. So what do you think because it was? Because I don't trust them. Because they muzzle? to keep you happy for, for you know what do you think it was? Why would somebody tell you that if it was? You know? And I was shocked. Like he had went to the hospital. I feel like part of it he got he got put in the hole as punishment for asking for an outside doctor. Is what happened. They came back he, and so said that he, he was in trouble because he asked for another doctor. He was hurting so bad, and his chest was hurting. He said, y'all are going to have to take me. This was on a Saturday. And they're like, well, we don't have enough staff. He said, I'm going to I'm gonna fall over. Like, he called me. He said, you're going to have to tell somebody to take me or call the ambulance, do something, because I'm not going to make it like, like this. So I called, talked to him. They got aggravated. That was Friday evening. And he had been telling them all day that he was hurting. Saturday, um, he came back. I believe it was, I'd have to look at my calendar, but I believe it was Saturday he came back. I kept calling to see about how he was because he always calls me right when he gets back. And I hadn't got a call from him. And then it's like, oh, yeah, he came he came back, so this was Sunday, because they said he came back on Saturday evening. He was only there overnight. And I said, okay, he came back on Sun- on Saturday. Where is he? Then why hasn't he called? Well, nobody would tell me anything. So finally, I was like, okay, I'm going to call up there and tell my kids. I said, I'm going to call, and I think my son is the one that called. Finally got through and asked for SHU for the shoe and this officer I know his name he he answered and I talked to him and Patrick was pretty pretty in with him he's a decent guy and he's like um yeah I it has to be a mistake he said I can't imagine what they're saying that he said what your husband said he's like this isn't him because he's not dumb he's very street smart and just book smart himself. I can't imagine him saying this stuff. And I was like, okay. 
well, where is he at? He's like, well, he's in the hole because they said that he was talking about uh, past misconducts and that we couldn't raid his house without a warrant, that that's against the law. And I was like, that sounds more like what happened, you know, when we got in trouble. And he's like, that's what I believe, too. He's like, I think it's been a mistake. He said, but I'm going to tell you, he did push the issue about going to the doctor, and they wanted him to wait, and he pushed and pushed and pushed and had you call and push, so it's coming back to bite him. That's all I can say. And that's all he would say about it. So then I talked to the... um, This is an, an instance of, you know, one case. Uh, of, of of what uh, you go through trying to stand up for your loved one and to boot during these very difficult times where you have somebody that's got a compromised position, you've got somebody that is in insanitary conditions, unsanitary conditions. Um, I mean, look, we've got, wasn't there just a knifing somewhere at, at, a, at a prison uh, just this past week? Was it uh, GEO or where where was it? What facility was it at? I don't I recall the um, the facility right off the top. I did vaguely hear about it. Yep. Um, but I do know it was, and he had heard about it, that it was a pretty serious incident. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it happens there all the time. Where he is happens all the time now at Crabtree, I mean, it's nothing for it to go down. And we're like, well, it's going to hop off. Like, I don't know, you know. So now at this point, he's afraid to even ask to go to the doctor for fear he's going to get thrown in the hole because he was in the hole from April to August. And and can you describe to the listeners that don't know just what life in the hole is like? It's a segregation, Correct. He was, yes, he was by himself in a cell. Um, he had no personal contact with anybody. Um, he slept on the floor because the bed was messed up, which was cement to begin with. It's about to your waist. And uh, he was not allowed a mattress, so he slept. He folded his sheet and put it on the floor there was red ants so bad eating him up that um, a officer actually brought ant spray from his house to kill him because it was eating him up. They was eating him up so bad. So somebody had a heart. Yes, he was an older guy. Um, he said he hadn't been there very long, but my husband said he wouldn't last because he did have a heart, and they wouldn't put up with it. You know, basically. Um, he was basically doing it for retirement and extra money. Right. So I'm going to say he was probably late 60s, early 70s, something like that. Yeah. And um, he did bring it. He was a retired police officer. He did bring it and sprayed it and got him all taken care of. Um, The food, he's literally... Of course, there's no phone calls, but once every 30 days, so you don't know if your loved one's dead, alive, or anything else, unless you can get a decent person to talk to. Um, oh, that's one five-minute call every 30 days. Then um, 
he had like at one point he had set his plate down or tray down and before he could get it picked up because they had set it down in the hole was what it was and before he could get off the bed to get it the toilet had overflowed and ran into his food and they wouldn't give him no food to replace it with uh, needless wow. to say he doesn't he doesn't eat their food I pretty much like I said earlier to Tina I probably feed half of his floor there um, he makes spreads They he'll get a few people together and make spreads and this and that and burritos and all that kind of stuff and I do 80 to 100 he can only do 80 so he gets $80 in food and then his other stuff every that's week. That's the max he can like, have. That's the max he can have on level four. Now, if he goes to level one, which is they've never, through everything, they've never taken his levels. But the day that this guard at the hospital called and said he was talking about that, which I talked to her personally, I've seen the page. She said, I never said he was talking about Stringtown. I said he was talking about what had got him there, which she checked the box on that paper. And um, that's all she ever said is it might be information. Well, they dropped him down to level one. So that was, he was in the hole. So that's zero money on his books. But if he had gotten, when he got out of the hole, you could do uh, 20 on level one is 20. Level two is 40. Level three is 60. And level four is 80. Okay, so, so we're not being able to get $80. money from the commissary. What is the food normally like? Let's talk about that for a moment. Because I um, I got some pictures of food today from another oh, facility. Oh, I've got pictures of food. That's bad. Yeah. Yep. I also, I worked in a facility that was uh, state-organized, and they would go from one prison to another and bring it to this place where I worked. Um, I have actually seen it come off of the truck that goes from prison, from meat and that kind of stuff that went from mm-hmm. a prison to um, this facility. And the food was like literally rotten. Like it stunk so bad to cook it, it would make you sick. Um, wow. I have seen, I've gotten pictures before from other people's loved ones that was like my loved one took a picture of this i even had one ex-officer that i know he was like you don't understand they're feeding him literal deer oats like it says not intended for human consumption um there's pictures of meat that's like that um i think where he's at now they get a lot of potatoes so he gets potatoes with every single meal either mashed potatoes or french fries Okay. Stringtown, it was basic. Stringtown, mm-hmm. it was um, basically uh, beans, brown beans, every single meal. Yep, and I just heard that today from somebody else that that you know because I got the breakfast photos. I'm like, okay, what's the rest of your meal going to be like? The rest of your day going to be like? And it right, seems and then to be... there his his. I didn't mean to cut you off. 
there. His no, biggest right complaint ahead. on the on the potatoes at Springtown. He says it feels it tastes like they put Crisco or something in them to fill them so that they're not going through so many. He says it leaves a greasy taste on the top of your mouth, roof of your mouth. Okay. Um, carrots, if they did carrots, he never, in the five years he was there, I can tell you he never, he probably didn't eat 10 meals there, honestly, that I didn't make sure he had money on his books. Um, so he really don't have to eat there that often. He won't even go to the chow hall here if, if it's not something appealing to him at all. Hey, he's very Which lucky is, to have you then because I know that people that, you know, some of these facilities when you're in quarantine, you can't even go to the commissary. You can't go right. to the canteen. So now he did not. What they get. Now that, because uh, you said that, he did not uh, um, get to go Friday. He went, but they said because everybody was locked down in quarantine. That he didn't get, I don't know, half of the people on Unit 2 didn't get their um, commissary. So he didn't get any commissary. He found store, basically, because he just won't eat that food. I mean, it's just it's just all there is to it. He just won't eat it. Oh, and then I get him a package. Um, he gets $80 to spend on his package. That has to be turned in by the 27th. 26th, 27th, I'll do that again. And then, so um, when was the last then time you were in person? I haven't since 2018. And I don't even know that they'd let him here at Crabtree. Since 2018, and so. that's because, because certainly we didn't have the whole COVID situation then. What was right. it that, uh, oh, because you're on probation? Things. Uh, no, even on probation I did. Um, things happened with my ex. They tried to say that it was my son because they looked a lot alike. And even the guard had sat there and said, no, no, this boy was sitting here. This boy was sitting here the whole time. And because of who my ex is, they said that it was making it a liability, that we was making it a liability. And so they took my rights to visit. The day that, um, and they they knew it was coming off because they actually let us sit and tell my son and my daughter that my mother had breast cancer. And right after they told them, my daughter cried. He She cried leaning on him crying. And they came up to him, walked up to him and said, here, you got to go. Said, you brought in contraband. He said, I, I've been sitting here the whole time. They said, that boy right there brought it in. He said, no. Even the guard was like, no, he's been sitting here. They said, no, the last 20 minutes he's brought it in. They argued with him. So um, it's just been one of those things. We did vaguely talk about it um, through with Crabtree. But for him, it's one of those deals. Wherever he was, I never left him where he didn't want to be type thing. Right. And so he says it's kind of harder to um, see me walk away than it is just to talk to us on the phone. But um, it'll definitely be a shock when he sees our kids, that's for sure. 
My goodness gracious. I think mainly Mason, you know, mainly our son more than my daughter, but his, you know, girls kind of plateau out. But our kid, our boys got really, really big, and he hasn't seen him since then. So, well, this is a life in the day of uh, yeah, the day in the life of um, having a loved one in facility in in Oklahoma and to boot somebody who uh, continues to claim innocence and should likely be out from what it sounds like on uh, a medical leave. Well, um, we're about ready to actually shut down the show tonight. And my my goodness, I, I, I didn't expect this tonight. Um, And I'm, but I'm just so glad you called and you were able to share so much with us. Um, I'm sorry that, uh, this is happening, and you know, please do keep in touch, keep us updated with how things Hello. are going on, and you know, try to rally some others uh, to provide some information from that facility Hello. as well. Um, and he that, will, that for will, sure. Yeah, that will mean a lot. I've got about forty forty five seconds right now to sign off okay. because we actually started half an hour earlier tonight, um, where Marty and I just had our little the the Marty and Tanya talk show uh so that's why we're down to an hour t- uh tonight with uh with Tina and myself so I I Kate, I want to thank you very much for for calling in and know that our prayers are with you and and your loved one and and for all those that are are um managing this we encourage you to contact us um listeners with with your uh stories uh, so we can t- continue this flight um, with Tina Gertz and myself. Tina, thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. I appreciate and so please, it. I'm sorry I took all your time. <laughs> no, we're glad, you, we're glad you're here. So uh, we'd just like to invite everybody to tune back into 89.9 FM this Thursday with uh, Stephen Burke, Lighthouse Christian Radio, if you're in Oklahoma. And uh, if you're from a distance, then we'll be sure to get out that um, uh, the audio afterwards as we will have a woman by the name of Jamie, a young woman by the name of Jamie on with us. I'm Tanya Hathaway, and I am your host. And uh, thank you, Marty Oakley, TS Radio Network. We're, and I'm Tanya Hathaway, your host with Tanya Talks, where your voice is heard and your story is told. Good night, everybody, and God bless.